Hello, and welcome to the LYF podcast. This podcast is provided to you by the Love Yourself Foundation, which is an organization here spreading the message of love and more specifically self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has not only in building a better relationship with yourself, but also with your community and with our beautiful planet. We're here to tell you that we're all one. All living beings are connected to each other, to the universe. So we're going to be talking about important topics like mental health, environmental issues, and tying it all back into the self and ways that you can not only empower your relationship with yourself, but also empower your relationship with your community and with our beautiful planet. So if you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at the LY Foundation. You can also check out our website at the lyfoundation.org. And we have a very special new addition to what we're doing. We now have a membership program called the Lifeline Membership Program, which offers support calls, group support calls, free admission to our events, workshops, specialized merch. So we also have special discounts going for students, teachers, frontline workers. So if you want to hear more about this, please go to our website at the LY Foundation slash membership for more info. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, and welcome to The Conversation, a LYF podcast series where we provide our insights, thoughts, and experiences on self-love exploration. My name is JR, Technology Coordinator and Board Member for the Love Yourself Foundation. And my name is Ayla, Growth and Development Coordinator for the Love Yourself Foundation. Welcome back, JR. We are on episode 11 today. Whoa, we are getting through these episodes like crazy. And Honestly, a little sad because we are coming towards the end We're on the of back the season. Half, yeah. How do you feel so far? It's really interesting to look at what we've done differently this season and structuring it in the way we have of making it a process for self-development and a starter guide. It's really meaningful to me, but it, it is sad to think about how we only have a few more episodes after this and it's really wild. Yeah, it's been a fun journey for this season, and I feel every season we get better and better at the things that we're doing. And this year, at least for this season, it has been nice to have that structure and kind of a guide, so to speak, of how to go about self-love exploration. And it's just been fun to do it with you and to have the guests that we were having and have had and just having these conversations just like we normally have been having. It's been a wonderful time. It's really exciting. And we still do have a couple more guests before the end of the season, which I hope everyone's excited about. I am already thinking of what's next and what does season four have in store for us. And it's really cool to consider and see more people reach out to us and talk about what they learn and how they're implementing it in their life as well. So just know that if you're listening, those comments are always appreciated by us. We love answering questions and hearing your thoughts. And that's really important to what we do. Yeah. And especially for us doing this podcast, we've been able to create a certain type of relationship when it comes to hosting. This is something that's new to me, new to you, I'm sure. And being able to do this every single time, we've been able to build this relationship that we have together and be comfortable around one another and be able to talk about really hard topics most of the time as well, and being vulnerable with everyone else who is listening. And I think that allows us to sustain oh and that brings us <laughs> to today's episode you see how hard i was trying to reach for that. <laughs> i was like put the two words together come on you now. Said, go, let's go yeah today's episode's on creating relationships that sustain of course as i mentioned to jr off the record was it doesn't have to be an intimate relationship it can be 
relationships with family, friends, coworkers, anything in that kind of accord. We've touched on relationships and boundaries and compassion and a bunch of things that go into it, but never really the sustaining of a relationship and what that looks like personally. JR. Truth be told, I'm not the best person in sustaining uh, relationships. You, you too, huh? Yeah. So we're going to be learning a lot today, basically going over a theory called the seven circles and what that teaches us about sustaining relationships and really building upon a relationship and the foundations and doing that in a healthy way. And I will say I have been using this theory for about a week or two now and looking at how that impacts my communication with others and my bond with them. I will say that it's really a different per- like experience, if you will. And it feels a lot healthier, but it's as you may know, a healthier is harder. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Actually, give us a little bit of background. You actually did a talk at UNLV in regards to this. So how was that experience? Yeah, I was able to present at UNLV about interpersonal communication and the way in which we communicate with everyone in our lives, which is where this activity comes in today of like, how do we understand that relationship in order to communicate within it and then sustain it? It went really well. And I think that it better prepares me for the episode to be able to come in with the questions that they had, the scenarios that they were interested in, and use that to inform the listener, that's you, without being able to talk to you directly. I think that it was a cool experience to hear live the Mm. response as opposed to me and you talking to each other and waiting for a comment. Yeah, what was interesting when you were talking about this before we started recording is having that immediate feedback from people who are listening to the words that you're saying. And we don't get that privilege sometimes of seeing that in real time, but for you being in that room and talking to that cohort about all of this had to have felt really good. It was amazing. And it's almost like I see why different teachers say that they learn from their students too. I mean, I think I'm a teacher already, but to see how, and I think this is just a point to make of why we appreciate your comments and DMs, emails, all of that so much is because me and Jay are talking to each other. We get both of our perspectives, but there's infinitely more out there. And the more we can learn what other questions people have, the more we can conversate about that and find out, oh, I neither of us would have considered that. Let's look at this new kind of avenue. And being able to sit in a room with 20, 30 students, I was able to do that in a much grander way than what we're used to. Yeah, it's a sense of building a relationship with your audience, or whether it was that class that you spoke for or the people who are listening to this show and have been for a while now, it's creating that relationship with the viewer, the listener, and understanding that other perspective that actually allows us to grow as individuals as well. So yes, definitely. We love our audience. We love our listeners and we want to hear more from you. So that way we can continue to have a deeper conversation than we're already having. Totally. Well, before we dive into that activity, I want to take a second to just reflect on our own lives. And I want to ask you, JR, in looking at the relationships in your life that have sustained over a long period of time, what do you think you can identify as reasons why it was able to withhold time? Yeah. When you pose this question, it did take me a little bit of time to understand where those relationships either come from or how they are sustained over time. But I think that it's just, I surround myself with like-minded people who care about one another people who care about community. I think that allows me to be on the same level as certain people and allows me the time to grow with those individuals. I know a lot of people and there's people who come in my life and have gone 
but the ones that stay that are there i think we just share a certain type of bond with one another that allows us to grow together which i think is really key for my personal development too is that creating those types of relationships that have sustained over time we all grow as different individuals but we all see it within each other that allows us to still stay connected the way that we are i think that the relationships that don't stay sustained i think that there is a difference of opinion or we can't see eye to eye on certain things that it puts that barrier in between us and i say that more so of a physical relationship with somebody being in a relationship with a girlfriend or something like that that it's been difficult to sustain something like that for me just because i think now that i get older the more i'm in tune with who i am as an individual that i'm not willing to make those types of quote-unquote sacrifices within a relationship mm, that's because all i've known being in a loving relationship is that i tend to give up a lot mm. myself that way i can make the other person happy that now I don't want to fall into that. And I think that I've become smarter, at least in the sense of taking ownership of who I am and knowing that it's okay to be who you are and you don't have to change to make somebody else feel comfortable or happier than you are. And I don't really have a good template when it comes to that kind of stuff because I've seen that in my own family. They do the same thing and mm. that's all I've known. So I think the, the relationships that don't sustain are times when things just don't align. I definitely relate to that. I think that in my perspective as well, the ones that have been lost is where I'm giving more than I'm getting out of it. It's not an equal kind of vision to the relationship or it comes down to a moral kind mm -hmm. of compass. Like I'm okay with having differences in different paths, but I think that if we both can't agree on the acknowledgement that like we're going to grow and change then that it becomes difficult to stay connected in that way. I have a few relationships that I've gone on really long term. And I think that in those I can identify almost like a compassion oh, yeah. for each other and almost like an admiration for the growth that we are witnessing. And it's almost like an acknowledgement of the beauty behind that allows us to stay connected, even if we're not the same person as five, 10 years ago when we met. And I think that there's like a beautiful thing to that, but obviously it's not something that's really achievable with everyone. Yeah. Just thinking about that too. And just the sense of like a friendship, for example, you continue to grow, you continue to go a certain path and down a certain career or different types of goals that you want to get after. And there can also be a sense of jealousy with an achievement and not being surrounded by people who are there for you and support you and build you up when good things happen, I think is a lot of the reason why certain relationships don't sustain. I think that there are people that are out there that unfortunately, when they see you win, they don't like to see that. And they're not winning for themselves and they have resentment and it's just, it's not sustainable for that. You got to surround yourself with people who not only build you up, but you build them up too. Mm -hmm. And there is a sense of beauty in that. Yeah. And that's really what we're talking about today is like acknowledging those foundations that are necessary and how to communicate with people in a way that's healthy so that the relationships that are not healthy don't become sustained or don't like last longer than they need to because I'm sure you have experience I know I have experience in trying to sustain a relationship that's hurting me oh 100%. and it's hard because as human beings we want to think okay if I'm giving all of this like it'll be reciprocated but of course, like unfortunately doesn't always work out that way. Right. But the key to what we're talking about today is being able to set yourself up for success and like having this template to go back to in order to be like, okay, this person needs to be moved down in the levels of influence they have on my life.
Okay. Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, perfect. So this activity is called the Seven Circles. I'm not quite sure who created it. It's not necessarily coined by any one individual, but I think it's been structured differently by a ton of different kind of people in the counseling field. It's something that's used really often in therapy, which is a really cool way to pull out and make it more accessible to people through our podcast, of course. So the Seven Circles really works to identify what relationships are in your life, whether they're mandatory relationships or where they are on this kind of scale, in order to understand the level of vulnerability you are with this person and the level of trust to put forth there. It's basically like understanding relationships in social context, trust and closeness Mm -hmm. and taking all those things into consideration to think about what does it mean to ultimately build that sustaining relationship with this individual or not do that. And it's the idea of we think that everyone we meet, we can build a sustaining relationship and it's like about that 50-50 effort and that it can work out with anyone. But in reality, like it's a kind of process where they get put on to, if you look at the template, if you're looking at like maybe a staircase or in this case, it's circles, but you can look at it in different ways, but they're put into a category and they're able to work their way up the ladder or into the circle. Of course, this will be available in the description. So you'll be able to see and you'll also be able to print this worksheet that we're going to be working on today from that as well, which is really cool. But yeah, so I'm going to go into kind of what this looks like here. I would take a reference to that worksheet, even if you're not printing it right now, but I'll also do my best to describe it. So the circles almost look like an onion. Okay. (laughs) I'm hoping that makes sense to you, JR. Oh, yeah. I'm in there. (laughs) With there being seven kind of layers to this onion, with the very, very core being you. Okay. Of course, it's all in relation to you, but the core is you because you are the only person ever that's going to know you to the level that you know you so you've had all your experiences you've lived it firsthand you know all the thoughts the things you don't want to tell other people only you will ever have that level of knowledge no matter how much you share with another person yeah and then the outermost level of the onion of the circle being people that kind of like perceive you but are not connected to you in that way and of course different levels in between here but i'm going to go into what each level means and how we can look at our relationships in that level to then build on to how to communicate how to build trust how to move the relationship closer farther apart however it need to be okay. sound good sounds good to me Okay, perfect. As I mentioned, the and of course, feel free to fill out your worksheet as I'm talking about this. Same goes for you, JR, but we'll of course have time after to talk about (laughs) it. But the very first circle, that being the one in the very center, is called the source circle. Source being, obviously, this is where yourself is. It is your internal, eternal, external self. It's the basis of who you are. It's your acceptance, your value, your authenticity. Everything that makes up you is in this circle. And on the worksheet, it's sectioned off into blocks here. On the worksheet, if you're following along, it would be to fill out that first box that says source and talk about what it looks like to have that relationship with yourself. So a lot of times when we talk about communication and relationships we're talking about like how we interact with another person and i know we've talked about self-compassion a lot we've talked about the way we talk to ourselves but if you really think about it the way that we talk to ourselves think about ourselves it maps on to the way we treat other people and our understanding of our relationships so in order to better understand that relationship with others we need to have that relationship with ourselves so talking about what 
that looks like at this source with what that relationship looks like with yourself and what you think it should look like. So the whole time when I do this activity, I like to look at like the healthiest version, not what I like am doing, but what I should be doing. And what does healthy communication with myself look like? And it's like epitome. What is it that I would be doing or wouldn't be doing in this kind of level okay wow i guess we can go like box by box and talk about it yeah yeah so i would say that in the source for me the most healthiest version of myself would be loving and caring but also would be the opposite of self-deprecating because that is a version of myself that i don't like but is easy for me to fall into just because I think i'm i i humble myself a lot and don't see my full potential or can't get to a certain level of confidence that I know that is in there. I just don't talk to myself in that way that I can get there. But in the healthiest sense, it would be something like that where I'm loving and caring. I know what my worth is and I'm absolutely confident in the things that I'm involved in. What do you think like changing that would do for your relationship with others? I think it would make me feel more in tune with who I am in the sense that it would be easier for me to commit to new relationships because I'm confident in who I am and know who I am that I wouldn't be worried of changing myself for Mm -hmm. that person, whether it be in a physical relationship or it be in a friendly relationship, whatever it may be. Being more in tune with who I am will give me the confidence of knowing that I can be that way in front of others and if they accepted me for that then that that way i know it's the truest form of a relationship exactly and that's why i asked that so you can make that connection there that it then leads to understanding a level of trust that you can have with someone and being able to understand yourself to that way for me i wrote three a's (laughs) okay so it's acceptance of myself again coming back to being my most authentic self which is my second a like not only going back to like our previous episode about being who you truly are and having that authenticity, but also accepting that and feeling confident and happy in that. And then finally, being full of awareness and acknowledging like how I'm feeling in any given moment, how like what I do relates to other people. And I think that in combining all these things, I can be a more compassionate person and maybe more like secure and sense of self that my then interactions with other people become more personable and more like understanding i think that's really beautiful actually because that does seem to be the purest form of who you can be towards yourself and it just it makes sense why that is obviously easier said than done majority of the time but definitely gives you ways to strive for to get to that point yeah and you can see how like something as simple as at the core is yourself can be expanded that far out into a relationship But that leads us to the second level, which is right outside of you. This is called your intimate circle. In this circle, this is where you accept your deepest self in the deepest way. It's where you have your closest vulnerability with others. And it's often expressed like in sexuality and like relationships, like intimate relationships kind of way. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It's just about an ultimate vulnerability, which is often achieved through like intimacy. But it can be just you being so close with someone that you like are sharing things that you wouldn't really want to share to the real world. It's like the things that you live within yourself that you're like letting someone else take a peek into and share with you. In this level, you often will have one, maybe two max in your lifetime. So it's very hard to get people into this level because it's the ultimate form of trust, of course. It's like almost as close to knowing you as you. And you have to have some level of trust with an individual to be able to share those things that Mm -hmm. you're like, 
afraid to share almost. But I'm taking a look at what does it look like to say those things in a healthy way? What does it look like to get a relationship to that level? And then also mapping onto the circle who, if anyone, falls into that level. And like I said, if you don't have anyone, don't fret about it because it's very hard to get someone to that level. I've done this activity with people where they didn't have anybody and that doesn't mean you never will, but it just means that like you haven't built up relationships to that point yet. And that's kind of what the whole activity is about is like how to build relationships to these different levels. So when you think about the intimate levels of like your deepest self, that ultimate vulnerability outside of knowing your own thoughts, what does it look like for you? That's a really good question. I do know working a little far ahead into that i do know that there are two people that are in my life that are really that close that they know really everything about me and the things that i've gone through in the most intimate of situations and so i'm very grateful that i do have that for me but what that actually looks like it's kind of hard to describe at least for me i think that being in that intimate circle is more of being okay with being vulnerable and knowing that being vulnerable is okay. And when it comes to that also, I think it's more of a sense of safety, I guess, the two people that you would map out for that, because there are things that you wouldn't just say to a person who's walking down the street. And it takes a long time for you to build that relationship with that person in order to be that. I think that I've fallen into a sense of security, at least doing shows like this, or just having the opportunity to be around other people of like minds that I'm comfortable enough talking about the things that I've gone through. But there are still things that are are tucked away that I don't really talk about too often that until I get that sense of security from you or that sense of being okay, being that vulnerable around you, that is when that intimate box would then be checked. Yeah, and I feel very similarly. It's really hard to describe what that looks like, but it's almost like a feeling of that like safety, that comfort where for me, I tried to put it into words, but it's like feeling like an unconditional love and like in the relationship of knowing I can say anything and they won't think less of me. Yeah. Like they'll just accept me and like work through it with me in a sense of like almost like feeling loved and supported by others and not feeling like less than for whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that that ultimate vulnerability is like getting rid of the fear of judgment and it's where you don't feel like you're going to be judged for whatever it is you have to say, which is really hard, obviously, to get to that level where you feel comfortable. Because I think we've talked about all these episodes of that fear of if we're our authentic self, what if people don't respond well to that? And it's ironic, too, that like my mom is the one that's in this category because it's almost like she like has to have an unconditional love for me, but also very rare to have a family member be. Mm -hmm. And like, like, because obviously, when you think about your parents, you don't think of them knowing everything about you. Luckily for me, and I guess in my perspective, my mom does know everything, maybe too much (laughs) (laughs) in her perspective, but maybe that looking on it and from a therapeutic perspective, it comes from knowing that I'm like her child and like she's not going to judge me in any sort of way because of that, Yeah, which it doesn't always happen for everyone. I'm lucky that's our relationship. Yeah, because I can tell you right now that none of my family are in that circle for me just because Mm -hmm. we're not that close. And I envy your relationship with your mother because you would hope that you could be on that same level with that person because they gave birth to you. They raised (laughs) you. They helped you grow up into the person that you are today. So I think that's really cool that you have that relationship with your mom. And what's interesting to me too is I wrote the words beyond physical intimacy because I know it notes that that's one of the deepest form of vulnerability. But for me, I think that like 
while there is a vulnerability to that intimacy, like the intellectual and emotional vulnerability right. is so much stronger than that. And there's something so much more scary to like showing someone who you truly are than it is in any like intimate form, at yeah. least in my perspective. No, I agree with you. I think that for that sense, it's a lot harder to show you who I am mentally and emotionally than it is to show you who I am physically. Because as vulnerable as that can be, I think there is more vulnerability to letting people know how do you think? What mm -hmm. is it that you believe? And all of that. So, yeah. Cool. That brings us to the third outermost level. And this level is the select few. So we're expanding the amount of people that would be in the circles now. The select few is the relationships that there is a deep bond and devotion. And it is relationships where there's still vulnerability there, but like earnest trust. So like close siblings, dearest friends, people that you that know what's going on in your life all the time. Maybe they don't know all of the details and all those like deepest vulnerability where you're like sharing who you truly are, but they know what's going on in your life. They know who you are to a person and could be able to describe that. It's, I hope you can understand the difference between those two, yeah. but it's a really a separation in your mind of what is the difference in those relationships look like. But yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, immediately I thought they're the friends that reach out. They're the friends that you might talk to every day, every other day. They definitely have a bond that you had mentioned, a type of relationship with that person where you do care about what's going on and will always kind of be able to help out if somebody has a question or somebody needs something, you're there for them. I, I can see the distinction between the two of that intimate versus select few where intimate I don't really have to talk to this person every single day, but I know that unconditional love is always going to be there and they know everything that's happening in my life that at any given moment we can have that type of connection. A select few is a little further disconnected from that, but are still there in a certain capacity that you can rely on them, right? I do know, like it said, a select few people who are in that kind of category where we are in that type of relationship, which is cool. Yeah, I struggle to like, define this in the way I've done the other categories but for me I thought like long term I'm trying to like think of like instinctually like the words I used to describe it but friends that have known me for a long time and maybe we're not like super connected in knowing like the day-to-day -day dramas but I could go to them at any time and know that they know all my history and they know everything that's gone on in my life in order to be able to help me I can rely on them in a way that not like just anybody could have and I think that those are people that you've known for a long period of time because they need that time to be able to learn all those things right, about you. Yeah. How do you feel about relationships, friendships that you come across where I've only known you for so long, but it feels like you've known me forever? What do you feel about those types of relationships? Really good question. And I think at the end, when we go through the activity, you'll have a lot of those scenarios, but I'll, I'll let you stop it for this exact, <laughs> this one time. It's an interesting idea because there's a comfort there, but that relationship is not yet at a select few or intimate level because they don't know everything about you yet. So you can have that sense of comfort and there is like a level of closeness that you can get there, but you haven't really established trust yet. So like in the beginning, when I talked about how there's like the context of the relationship, the trust and the closeness. A lot of times we feed into the potential of something and we'll say, wow, I feel really comfortable with this person, but you haven't really built a foundation of trust yet. But since we like the potential, we'll skip levels and we'll start divulging these deep things about ourselves before we've really established 
a healthy foundation for them. And that's where things can go wrong really easily because oh. we're not building upon trust. We're not testing the waters to see if it's responding well, if they're not, there's no malicious intent or just the idea that people in our life can almost prove that they're there for the right reasons and build to that level. But I think that oftentimes I've seen it even in myself where I'm like, wow, relationships often this happens too, where it's almost like an in love with the potential. Mm -hmm. Like everything is going so well. And I feel like I can tell you these things about me and like I can drop the shield and be myself. But we do that without any basis of trust and that's where we get hurt because then if people break that trust or use that information against us it's almost like a betrayal because we put them up to this high pedestal that they haven't earned themselves and you can see how like in the example and of course i'll break it down more once we fill them all out but how you can use that perspective of thinking to think about wow like i'm i'm not building the way i should be i'm just skipping based on a feeling but that's not the full picture that's fascinating because when i was talking about this is like few box and just realizing that i know a couple of people who can fit in that that's why i wanted to give that kind of example is because in this scenario they wouldn't fit into that mm-hmm. box because i might be romanticizing the idea that this person is much more than what I initially thought of them and do feel close to them. So it'll be interesting as we continue on with the activity to see where those people actually sit. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to fill out the people in the category before you hear all of them because you're like, yeah, they would be there. And then you hear the other one and you're like, oh, they need to be moved down. But that brings us to level four. And this is the few. So we went from the select few to just the few. And in this level, these are relationships that we have in our life, that we do life with, we're mutually connected with their friendships, family members, associates, people that we're around all of the time, have some level of knowledge about us and interactions with us. I think you and I would probably be in the few category. And looking at the choice of interacting with these people over a long period of time and how you have form a connection because of that. Another thing that it's like hard to distinguish in your brain, but if you think about like your connection to a roommate, for example, or co workers or um, I was about to say that's co the thing that comes to mind is work and like which is interesting because mandatory relationships gets muddled in between there as well and I'll go into that but I'm thinking about people that you're close with that don't necessarily know all these things about you and maybe it would be the few people like you're talking about someone you're comfortable with would fit into this category of they don't know all the things about you they don't know all your history but you know that at least for now they're in that area where you feel like you're comfortable to talk to them and it's a buildable spot which is really right, nice yeah Yeah, it's interesting to see the difference between the two and I can see how they blend or could be blended into a different category. But yeah, like I said, at least for right now, a lot of people at work, I would categorize them as that only because you're spending eight hours a day, five days a week with these people that it's easy to create those relationships with one another because we're always around each other all the time. Like you said, they might not know every single piece of thing that has ever happened to me or I've ever gone through, but there's this sense of camaraderie, I guess you could say, with these individuals because we are close to one another as far as work goes, and that's just how it falls into place. At least it through my eyes, that's what it looks like. Yeah, it's. A, I think for me, I think about like when I think about always going back to what does it look like to be healthy in this kind of form. And I look, I would hope that like the few that I do life with, that I have a sense of comfort in sharing like how I'm feeling. Like when they ask, how are you? I actually like want to give a proper response to it. I'm okay or I'm not doing that well. Yeah, in a sense of like, sharing those emotions but not necessarily like venting or like the deepest things to them they're not who i'd go to for that but people that like 
I interact with that I feel comfortable being honest with or even sharing like maybe here and there hardships that are happening in the present moment, but maybe things I wouldn't necessarily share like things that have happened in the past. I like the way you put that. Yeah. Trying to make it all make sense here with all these levels. Okay. (laughs) That brings us to the level five. We only have three more. Level five is mandatory relationships. And so this is where I said things get a little bit fuzzy. And this is where people have the most conflicts, I believe. So mandatory relationships are the relationships you do because you have to. So these are the relationships that we have that revolve around our to-do list or we have a common purpose or goal. Things like work, volunteer experience, clubs, classmates, things that you're around these people like because you have to. But there is a relationship there despite that because you have to have an interaction with these individuals. And where I said it gets muddy is sometimes this is where we have perceived closeness, but not established. And like, of course, a social contest, but not an established trust where we almost like our brain plays a trick on us where it's like you're around this individual all the time. And they're like in your life over a long period all the time. Obviously, you have to trust them then. Because it's like a primal thing of when way back in the Neanderthal era, the people that are around us, we did trust. And because those were the people that like we survived with. And so it's almost that like trick on our brain that, oh, if we're around these people, we trust them with our lives. Obviously, that's not how it works (laughs) in present day. But you can see how that trick can put us in a position to, to perceive trust that hasn't been ever put there where we're like oh i can say these things around this person because i'm around them all the time we have a common goal we bond over that and it can put you in a hard place because you can do things like venting or gossip and it can be used against you or you can have a perception of a relationship that they don't think is there and i've personally had that problem where i've had coworkers that i'm like oh we're friends like we've shared these things and we like work together, see each other all the time. And I've put in my place that we're friends when we've never hung out outside of work and we've never established a form of trust to really build there. It's just been like, we'll share these things because we're here. And you can see how that puts you in a vulnerable position to be hurt because there's no boundary there between what the relationship is and what you want it to be. The thing that comes to mind a little bit, and I got to listen to the rest of the categories that we have, but I feel like people that you meet at community events, I'm thinking like the meetups that I do at RGC and, and some of the stuff that we do at LIF where we have a culmination of people come together and be a part of that. There are people that I see all the time that I have gotten, I wouldn't say close to, they know who you are, I know who they are, but we only see each other during these the meetups or events that we're having. But there is this false sense of closeness that you have with that person, even though the only time you see them is when they come out to these types of things. So I guess I can I have a couple of people that are in there as well. And that would make total sense because I guess I'm easy to divulge information about myself. So you're doing the podcast. We're like, we'll share it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and people who are listening, I probably never met before. But yeah, I guess it would fall into that category. And I think my brain struggles with thinking about this category as a bad thing. Like it's a negative to put someone there. So my brain's, oh no, you're closer to them to th- than that. But really it's like this whole chart is a form of protection and saying that even if you want a relationship to be more than that, you got to understand that like the only reason you're communicating is because of this common goal. Right. And it's totally normal to want them to be more than that and maybe be friends outside of work or outside of the event, whatever, but it's not there yet. And there has to be like an established form of communication and trust to build to that place. My problem is I always want to move it up without having that conversation, really. Uh, You want it to happen naturally. 
Yeah. Or and it's not like you have to talk, go up to someone and be like, okay, I'm moving you from level five <laughs> to level four. They're um, like, what? Yeah. It's more so a process where you slowly divulge information or start with things that you would be comfortable telling someone, anyone, even a stranger, and slowly building upon that with each level. And I think that's hard for me and you to do mm-hmm. because we're like telling the world all these things. Yeah, the and book is already open. Yeah. But if you think about someone that is really secure in a healthy form of communication, it's almost like love bombing or trauma dumping if you've ever been in a scenario where you've felt like uncomfortable with that you can imagine how that there's a difference in levels there Mm -hmm. and not to say that person is wrong for feeling off about you doing that or you feeling off but more so it's because there was no established trust before giving in that information and that can cause a, a sense of instability or a lack of balance because you're like what do i do with this information we never really established a relationship to put this information and of course that can cause problems yeah and you bring up a good point too i always feel a little overbearing sometimes when i want to talk about how i'm feeling things that are going on with my life or the things i'm involved in because i always feel like there is that sense of love bombing a little bit too much of just divulging way too much information to somebody and then either losing them in the middle of it or making them feel uncomfortable because they don't want to talk about certain things. So it's something that I had to check for myself once in a while, just hold back. And if they're willing to accept or willing to receive that information, then great. If not, just know that they're coming from a place of love and you know it, it's okay not to just dump all of that on them. Yeah. And that brings us to our sixth circle. So we're almost all the way to the outside. This is peripheral relationships. So these are people that we keep at arm's length for one of two reasons. Either the people have hurt us before and would probably do it again, or people that like want something or need something every time you talk to each other. It's never more than a like a necessary relationship for them. It's more of what can I get out of you? It can be codependent relationships. It can be acquaintances, adversaries, things where it seems very like tangent on something. It's a really interesting level because it's almost where broken trust friendships go. And as we go into like, how do we use this information? Kind of something that I write big in circle a thousand times is that trust isn't all or nothing. And a lot of times if we have an established relationship, where trust is broken we're like they're nothing they're pushed all the way to the end I had like them built maybe to an intimate level and now I can't imagine us ever being the same they're done but really there's a lot of gray area as you're seeing here of where people fall on a scale and it's hard to push someone all the way to a nothing the kind of category yeah. because if they're in this kind of level six category here there is some sort of relationship that you have in some form of trust that you had that has been broken and you can't ignore that that was not presented at any given time but what's interesting here is like this is where there's a distinction between six and seven so before you comment i'll talk about seven because there's a fine line between the two so seven so that your outermost layer this contains quite a few (laughs) different things here So this is temporal relationships. So the first kind of thing that goes in this category is those who you know or only know you by memory. So maybe someone you knew in high school, college, or you worked with at a previous job, you haven't talked to them ever since. But you do have a relationship with this person because you have the memory that you two share. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to think about relationships in that way because I think we don't think of them unless they're like an active relationship. But relationships can be inactive as well which i think is really an interesting perspective right oh yeah things. any thoughts about that yeah so for six 
there are just a few people that would sit in that. And when you're giving the examples, I could definitely tell, okay, yeah, this is where this person resides. And there was a situation that happened a couple of years ago with a friend that ended up really, you know, just ending that type of friendship that we ended up having. It just so happens that now we work together now oh. that I'm back at work. So I see him every day, but it's gotten to the point where it's fine that what ended up happening doesn't really bother me as much anymore. But it is that sense of broken promise of somebody not telling the truth or somebody who's trying to do something behind my back and not being truthful about it. That is where that person resides. Do I have resentment towards that person? No. Do I hate that person? No. But that person does sit in the sixth spot just because I trusted this person and that trust is now gone. I can still have a relationship with this person, still interact with this person, but it doesn't go any beyond anything beyond that. And in understanding, using this and looking at, okay, they're put in that category, it allows you to know what kind of information am I giving those individuals and level six in particular, what would I be sharing more often in this category? So what am I not sharing? And am I giving them there? But something I like to make in this kind of category is that people can move out of this. It's It can be like a limbo category of someone trying to reestablish that trust with you. But if you think of it, this as like a dynamic, people can move between levels all the time of like, they're put here because you can't trust them at the moment. And they have to rebuild slowly back at the original foundations of slowly sharing more things to get back to that place forgiveness comes into it it's a lot of different say, factors yeah. yeah but temporal relationships again more stuff in that category those we know only by memory those who will always be connected to us through memory which is why i think this level is probably one of the most fascinating to me because a big part in how we communicate with others is our experience and to think about like people that are no longer in our lives but we have that kind of connection through experience to shape who we are is something that is weird to consider in putting people there but it's people that you're never going to talk to again but you'll always have what you once had and a lot of times exes fall here of course because you're like no never again (laughs) but i do have the memory of when we were together and like i said people that you once knew people you once worked with they impacted you in some sort of way in your communication and then the other two categories there's a lot that go in here is people that only know you externally so this is an interesting one and this kind of falls in two areas one is people i think the most like easy example to understand it is people that follow you like on instagram but you don't ever talk to right yeah and so they only know you through what you're posting and what they see from you there but they're never talking to you they don't know anything beyond that external appearance of what you're putting out and obviously there's they can still say they know you obviously not to a great extent but they know of you almost is what this category puts you at kind of like face value they only know that Yeah. And I think it's a weird kind of situation where it's, which is why I don't have Instagram because I'm like, I hate the idea of people perceiving me without knowing like what I'm actually like. But also besides this is people who just see you somewhere. So you're at a grocery store, you're sitting at a library, coffee shop, whatever. People that like just walk by you, observe you. There's still a relationship there. Of course, it's at like the bare bones of an interaction of we're all human beings interacting Mm -hmm. with each other. But there's also that like 
communication between nonverbal of what you're demonstrating to other people or maybe what you're saying and what other people are overhearing, which is also a really interesting thing of like, how are you perceived through communication when people aren't actually talking directly to you? That is a lot. That one box, but... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You, everyone. Just everybody else in that one. I think of that one, for me at least, are people who you've gotten to know for a little bit of time and then end up leaving, like a very transient type relationship. That's a good way to describe it. Because I think that there's something about building relationships based on proximity that if you are in the same city, if you are in the same neighborhood, those relationships are a little bit stronger than there are of people who end up leaving the place that you live and you're still trying to create that relationship or keep that connection going. I do know a couple of people that I've gotten close to over the years that have moved on to a different state, different city. And we don't talk anymore. Or at one point, they could have been maybe a level four, yeah, three, exactly. and now they're down to a seven. Yeah. And it's not that I don't think it, I don't think about them. I do. It's just not a constant rate as the other people who are in the different categories. But there are times where that person will end up popping in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember the times when we used to. So I do see that as a more of a transient type of connection. And nothing wrong with that. I think that you can carry any memory from any situation you had mentioned about exes too being in that even though i don't think about them anymore there had there obviously was an impact in my life during that time that it's appealing a little bit to keep them in that space just because if you think about it too much then obviously there's still a type of connection that is there but it's only of a singular type of connection those people have already moved on and if you're still thinking about them then what do they actually sit in in, in this yeah, box it almost moves them up to the level 6 where mm-hmm. you like are still holding them in your life when they don't need to be there yeah. but i also think we'll go into this before i go into the different scenarios but when i look at what does healthy communication look like in these 5 6 7 categories and i think that's where it, it's like very particular in the way that you're sharing things or what you're divulging. And I think exes are a really good example of when people want to be friends after a relationship. But like, how do you work bringing someone down from a level two or three down to Two in there, yeah. A six. And that's not something that people can do. And I hope that in doing the activity, you can better put that framework in your mind because I think it's hard without a foundation. But thinking about it's it's a drastic change there. And that's why it's so hard for people to move on because they can't disconnect the like the different circles there where you need to look at, okay, if they're going to sit in that level, what does that mean? Right, and yeah. what kind of things am I communicating? How often am I talking to them? And what am I expecting out of them is a big one. Yeah. I, when you're mentioning the stuff about section six, that really resonated with me too, of realizing that it's okay not to divulge things, especially to people in that light. As much as I'd like to express myself, tell about the things that I've gone through and whatnot, it's okay not to give that information out to people that you don't feel comfortable with or you don't feel that you're vulnerable with because that could come back and hurt you or you're telling something to somebody who really doesn't mean anything to you in this particular time in your life. So definitely having this as a foundation helps me and actually restructures the way I see certain people in certain lights. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I think how this helps me more so than anything is knowing like when to share things and how to move from level to level. So I'll talk about those instances. But of course, if you have any like scenarios where you'd be interested where they would fall, let me know. But I'm also going to bring up what some of the students brought up, which I thought was cool. One was actually I'll start with the examples I used. Um, One being a first date. And this is a potential relationship scenario where 
you are so excited for the potential of something good. Of course, you haven't met them yet. They're a perfect person until otherwise. It's almost like innocent until proven guilty. You're giving <laughs> this person the 100% benefit of the doubt that they're perfect. And that puts you in a bad position because yeah. we're not perfect. Right. But oftentimes when you go on a first date, people have a hard time of oversharing on the first date and knowing that balance of what to tell, what not to. And sometimes people will overshare some of these like really deep things about them. And it's a concept of what you would share on the first date versus the third date versus the fifth. Have you been sitting next to me when I've been on my first date? Can <laughs> you kind of just describe me a little bit yeah no i've been there too where i've talked about like traumatic things that have happened or things that have really shaped me because i'm like oh that's important for them to know but it's not something that you would share with a stranger and this person still is one and i think that's something that really opened my eyes to like oh i have to build there and it's okay then what do you share and it, this is where you come down to things that you'd be comfortable with a stranger knowing and like how do you bond with talking about values or morals or surface level interests and then building upon that in a way where those things that are really strong to you like things that you're interested in passionate about morals values those things really aren't going to change much and so if someone you're on a first date with someone and you're talking about them and they don't receive that it's not going to really offend you because those things aren't going to change about you and right. you'll just accept that's not a good relationship and so it protects you a little bit more to be like okay they do share these same kind of things same ideas same interests let's test the waters a little bit more like here's the next level to that and of course it's hard to talk about what those next levels look like because it's different to all of us and what those experiences look like. But I think that in those kind of first date scenarios, it's hard because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to connect with this person that I want to share everything about me and I want them to know me when they haven't really <laughs> got to that point yet. And it puts people in an awkward position, which is why love bombing happens yeah. where people are like, oh, I'm going to share all this and dump it on you because I'm so excited when there's never been like an earning of that. Yeah. Guilty as charged. Yeah, I definitely have done that multiple times on first dates. And I think what it comes down to for me is that I have this false sense of the things that I'm doing in my life aren't really that interesting. The only things that are interesting are the mm -hmm. bad things that have happened in my life that a part of me feels like being that vulnerable and that open with somebody who I am trying to connect with would provide a deeper connection or something that they can relate to possibly, which I don't know if it's good or bad, but I think that in this particular scenario, how you're divulging so much information to somebody that you just met yeah. or you've only been talking to for a couple days. Do you see how it's like healthier to build right. to that point? Yeah, that... I guess it makes it more impactful to tell certain things to certain people at certain levels versus just giving everything that you have done in your whole entire life to somebody you just met. Yeah, it, it protects yourself a little bit. And I think that there's also a fine line because there's people that are so shielded that they don't want to share. And I talk about protecting yourself. And I think there's an important sense of having that protection over like the love that you have for yourself and your vulnerability, but not protecting it to such a point that nobody can find out those things, but just slowly right. raveling there. I think that's a good example of a way that we all can relate to. So interesting. It's fascinating. Right, it is. <laughs> Another example that I thought was really cool was... A therapist okay and people are like i'm sharing these really deep things right we're sharing like the deepest kind of thoughts that we have with our therapist and so where would they fall on the chart because it's a mandatory relationship but i'm sharing those deep things right. and i think that this example and i'm so glad a student brought it up because i think it's such a fascinating example to use of where we can have a false sense of security and where we can get hurt because even if we're divulging our deepest things it's still a mandatory relationship 
Like the therapist mm. is getting paid to do that. And I think that where people can get hurt is they expect a level of investment in the relationship that like like the therapist after the hour is done. Like they're not thinking about you. Yeah, they're on either to the next client or, yeah. and or like, whatnot. They have a care for you, of course, hopefully, but it's not a mutual kind of thing there. And there's a sense of protection you have to have in your understanding of what the relationship is. Because yes, you're sharing all these things, but the therapist isn't telling you, oh yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you. And it's really interesting to think about in that kind of accord of what we expect of people at the core of it and knowing that like you don't expect your therapist to go out to coffee with you and have dinner and you know what that kind of looks like outside of helping you and also you still have to build trust with a therapist and unless you're like me I go into therapy first day I'm like here's everything let oh, me yeah. let me catch you up to speed here's a resume of all the things we needed to be talking about in this because first I session. know that you, you can't judge me I know that you're here to help yeah. but I'm gonna give it to you but it, for people that have that kind of fear of therapy, they you're going to test the waters a little bit, share a little bit that you're comfortable sharing, have them respond, see if that response is in a healthy way, in a way that makes you feel comfortable, first and foremost. And then you share a little bit more, a little bit more. And then eventually you get so comfortable that you're like able to be like, this is how I'm really feeling. I'm like scared to say that out loud but that's not something that you always say right even like me when i overshare in therapy i'm very quick to be like let's get to the point here it takes me a second to get them to that point because i'm still building a relationship on let me catch you up to speed of everything that is me right that you can't just go out they don't know anything about you and you're like here's the real tea <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a fascinating example because i think it really demonstrates in all those avenues what it looks like to put someone in a category and what those expectations are at each level this is just getting me to realize the different levels of sharing i guess you could say and the example of a therapist is a big one because i am that kind of person that now that i'm comfortable in my own emotions my own feelings and sharing that information that it's so simple for me to just give everything to that individual person, but not really even realizing that this is their profession. This is their job. They're getting paid to do this for you for an hour of however many days you want to do it, that it's okay to not have to give everything and make sure that you are taking that time to build that relationship with that person. I just automatically think that, oh, you're a therapist. I can just tell you every single thing that's happening right now and you're going to fix me. But also understanding that, hey, this is the first time we are meeting each other. It's going to take a little bit of time for us yeah. to build that relationship. So I can see how I can confuse myself sometimes of what type of relationship that actually is and is now giving me the opportunity to be a little bit more protective and really understanding who are those people that I'm sharing this information with because it is special and it is unique to you and you need to have that sense of ownership a little bit when it comes to that. And if you just give it to everybody, then is it really that special? Exactly. My last kind of example here is a broken kind of trust with a coworker because you don't have that form of trust that you once had, but you still have to interact with them. And in understanding like, what does it look like to communicate now that we're like forced to communicate, but I don't trust you anymore. Of course, that's going to look different to everyone, but I want to really enforce the idea of putting it in perspective of what am I sharing at each level and how is that healthy? And that's going to look different person to person. But taking the time to think about what should I be sharing? What am I oversharing? What am I like? Maybe I want to build a relationship here. How do I do that? And again, very personal kind of thing that goes on there. I think that a good scenario to look at is that broken trust with the coworker because it's looking at, okay, I trusted you with this. 
I still have to see you every day now. What does that look like? And I think for me, often it looks like I'm just doing my job. You're doing your job. We do our jobs together when it has to be mm-hmm. that way. And I just bring it back to the bare bones of it like that. We only talk about the jobs. Maybe you say like, how was your weekend? And I say it was good. <laughs> yeah, You're describing exactly what I've, I've been going through for the past like three, four months since being back at work. Exactly that type of relationship where I was the one who is setting the boundary now and realizing that it's okay to have that boundary and also setting a kind of a standard a little bit with that individual person of just realizing that, hey, we are here to work. We have a job to do. I will be cordial. I will be kind. We'll joke around, whatever it may be, but do not expect this to be anything more than that. We're not hanging out after work. We're not making a connection outside of this place. We're here at work. We're not going to try to make it miserable, but we also yeah. understand, or at least I understand that I don't have to have anything more than that with this person. And I hope that like in looking at the levels like this, you can better structure what it looks like and how it changes place to place. Was there any other examples that you had questions on? No, I think that was actually really fun to break that down a little bit because I think in my head, I just had a whole bunch of people all in kind of the same spot. But now actually going through each level, I now understand that yeah, there are certain people who have more access to the things that I want to give versus somebody who's a little bit lower down in that spot. And it's totally okay for it to be that and to understand that people can shift between that and really just giving myself more ownership of what it is that I want to give out and knowing that there are certain people at certain levels that can contribute to that. Perfect. And the last point I kind of want to make before we get into the end of the episode stems off the episode that we just did and talking about like empathy for others and how we humanize others and have that respect and understanding of the way that we impact their lives and what they're going through is that in relationships, empathy is such a big thing and understanding that they have their own experiences, their own reasons for doing things and having that understanding for them is something that I overdue almost and there's a big point in sustaining relationships to having empathy but also acknowledging like what you need in a relationship whether a romantic one or on a level I think that there's such a a line that you have to draw within yourself between what is it that I need like actually and my mom always tells me she says write it down before you get into a relationship (laughs) (laughs) write down all the things that are like really solid must-haves for you and then maybe things that are like yellow lights like I would prefer them to have, but I could probably go without and make sure that you can stick to that. Because sometimes I know for me, we've talked about boundaries for so long that like sometimes it's hard when you're in it to not sacrifice everything because you're too like empathetic to what's happening. But in order to sustain a relationship, going back to the very first part of the episode, you have to have a mutual kind of interest and growth between you. And that comes from having sacrifices on both ends, but not feeling like you're sacrificing all of the time. And I think that's just an, a point I wanted to make sure to make. I think that's amazing, actually, and can help a lot of people, including myself, as we go on this self-love journey and having those people come into your life, regardless of where they sit in that chart, that having empathy for people, realizing that there is a certain level of sacrifice that you will make, but also understanding that you don't have to sacrifice everything of yourself to make that relationship work. Exactly. So beautifully thank you. Said. No, yeah. blue, beautifully said from you. Okay. <laughs> I'm just tail end of that. Repeating here. That brings us to the quote portion of the episode. Oh man. What quote do you have for us today? My quote for today is 
They Do Not Love That Do Not Show Their Love by William Shakespeare. And I think this Mm -hmm. resonated with me a little bit because it doesn't have to necessarily be a romantic relationship. It can be a friendly relationship, personal relationship. But I think love and how you see love, depending on where those lie, is important because if they don't show it to you, how can you receive that and vice versa? It's got to be, like you said, that mutual agreement with one another that in order for us to have a relationship, there's got to be love and love at a certain level. That's the only way that, to me, it's going to work. I really like that. At first, I was like, Shakespeare, man's always tries to make it confusing. (laughs) But no, it's both of us have love as our first top strength, part of the requirements of working with (laughs) LYF. And so I think that maps onto my beliefs very easily and I relate to that. What's your quote? Mine is, when someone tells me no, it doesn't mean I can't do it. It means I can't do it with them by Karen Miller. Wow. And I was like, that's really interesting because it's like understanding your relationship with others and what that category looks like and how you fit into their life and taking everything we learned today which i mean i didn't plan yeah plan this quote (laughs) of like how does all of these things work together to have that communication with others and acknowledging that like maybe on their end they don't see you fitting into those first kind of categories and even on that flip side you have to work around that and accept that i think that's great and but just a synopsis of everything that we've been talking about today and how at the end of the day that you have a choice of who it is that you want in that circle and where what part of that circle you want them to be in, but also reminding yourself that they have their own circle too and how you fit in for them may be different than how you fit in or how you... <laughs> I'm here with you. I'm here. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh-huh. It really comes back to like humanizing other people yeah. and having that experience. Yeah really grateful what an episode huh that was a deep one and i hope this helps out everyone who's listening as well and for everyone that's listening we want to hear from you leave us a comment on instagram or twitter at the ly foundation or on facebook facebook.com slash the ly foundation let us know what you thought about today's episode and what these seven circles mean to you really cool also please leave us a review of the lyf podcast on spotify hit that rate button please it helps us out a lot that way we can continue to produce more content and grow the show thank you for listening to the conversation and until next time love yourself love one another and love this planet we call home